With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Adam Gay says he likes when Bill Belichick runs up the score. And in typical Bill fashion, he can't give the Jets what they want. Instead, taking it easy on them. There's just no beating the Patriots, and we're talking about it all on the Brandon Contest Jets podcast right now. Contest. I am a contest. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. All righty. As always, nice job with the free music YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast on SB Nation. Episode 6 of my first ever sports podcast where we'll keep it simple. We'll keep it short. Never more than 20 minutes. If I have something more to say, I'll just put it in another podcast. Another week in the NFL and another loss for the New York Jets. And this one comes at the hand of the New England Patriots, which we all could have expected. Everybody knew the Jets weren't going to go up to Foxborough with Luke Falk and shock the world and beat them. But they only lost by two scores, 30-14. to And I think that was a bit surprising, especially after falling down 30 nothing in this game. But this came after Adam Gase during the week said he doesn't mind Bill Belichick running up the score. And if you were watching this game, it, it almost it seemed like Belichick maybe has a, a bit of a soft spot for Gase or something. Maybe it's just the fact that he knows they're going up against the Bills next week, and it's two 3-0 and teams, and he was recognizing the importance of that game versus blowing out the New York Jets in a Week 3 win up in Foxborough. But historically, Bill never takes his foot off the pedal in a game. He never takes Tom Brady out of a game, but he did here. He took Brady out what, what was going to almost be the entire fourth quarter when they were up 30-7 to seven until the backup throws a pick six. The Jets get it to within two scores, 30-14, to 14, and in comes Tom Brady. And I will say this because this is something that, say Adam Gase did it. Say Adam Gase, say the Jets are up 30-7 to seven on the Buffalo Bills and Adam Gase takes Sam Darnold out in the fourth quarter. And then quickly... Luke Falk gives up a pick six, the Bills are within two scores, and you go right back to having to put Darnold in. But that's something that I I would crush Gase and the Jets if they did that during a game, because here you have them letting their guard down too soon, letting the other team get back into it a little bit, maybe building some momentum, enough so that you got to put your starting quarterback back into the game, really just because you took him out too early. That's something that would, as a fan, that would annoy me, because the other thing is that what's the mental state of the starting quarterback at that point? Once you take Brady out of the game, does he start to check out a little bit when you have to throw him back in there? Is is he completely alert and, and... able to treat the game as if he never left. Now, Brady's obviously a different breed of quarterback from the rest of the NFL. Maybe that's something that you could do easier with a veteran quarterback like Brady, maybe the greatest of all time, as compared to a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, where if you do take him out of the game, maybe he does check out a bit, and it would be more difficult to just throw him right back in there. But that's something that, as a fan, 
I wouldn't be too comfortable seeing from my head coach taking him out of the game because you think that you won the game and then putting him right back in once the other team just gets a little bit closer. So if it's something that I'm going to call Adam Gase out for if it happens to the Jets, it's something that I at least have to mention as a bad decision by Bill Belichick. Taking Brady out, it was something that's a little bit unprecedented. It's something that you didn't necessarily expect. It's I think going into this game, everybody thought that the Patriots were going to attempt to just blow the blow the Jets out and, and win by 40 or more, especially after the entire Antonio Brown saga that happened on, on Friday, releasing him after having to deal with all those questions for a couple of weeks and deal with everybody, all the outside noise of whether or not they should have signed and whether or not he's going to last, whether or not he's going to play, if he's going to play the entire season, the sexual assault and rape allegations that were surrounding Antonio Brown. So after dealing with all of that, they get rid of him after just one game. And I think it was the right decision to cut ties with him. I think it made sense for the Patriots to get rid of Brown and not have to deal with all that throughout the entire year. But when they signed him, this is, a, this is a guy that the, the New England Patriots signed Antonio Brown and everybody quickly jumped to this team's going to go 16-0. and So they went from being 16-0 and and Brown putting them over to the top and maybe making them one of the greatest teams of all time to a week later just getting rid of him and cutting ties, releasing him. And that, that made me think, you know what? This New England Patriot team now, after getting rid of Brown and after dealing with everybody, all the high expectations that everyone had for them, they're going to go out and prove that they don't need Antonio Brown they're going to go out and they're going to be electric on offense they're going to dominate the Jets because the Jets defense has been terrible the Jets offense has been terrible so they they can go out and dominate the Jets they can go out and put up 40 on them shut them out and remove Antonio Brown from the conversation and I I mean the the Patriots dominated the New York Jets there's no question about that but 30 to 14 is the final score outcome that's not exactly the what I would have put any money on heading into this game I, I would have expected the 21 point cover but getting into some of the specifics, it's kind of starting to get repetitive after an 0-3 start and the offense looking as bad as it has, scoring just 11 points in 12 quarters to start the season. 11 points in 12 quarters from an offensive genius that Adam Gase is. He's trying to coach up a third-string quarterback in Luke Falk. I get it. He's going up against the best team in the NFL with the New England Patriots. I get it. So it's not all on him, but... Give me some sort of creativity with the decision-making. You're going up against a team that everybody expects you to lose by 42. So so take some chances. Go for an onside kick early in the game. Throw the ball downfield. Take take a hail, shot at a Hail Mary. What's the worst that can happen that you actually do lose by 40 instead of making it look like you were somewhat closer by losing 30-14? to 14? And I hated this also. Late in the game, when they cut it to 30-14 in the fourth quarter, you're down by two scores. You have the ball. I know you're deep in your own zone with about two and a half minutes to go, and you, you punt it from your own end zone. And look, realistically, did the Jets have a chance at winning that game? Absolutely not. But the head coach is telling the Jets that they have no chance at winning that game by punting the ball there. If there's even that 1% chance or, or 0.1% chance that you could win the game down 30-14 to 14 with two and a half minutes to go, you go for it on fourth down. You don't punt the ball. If you go for it on fourth down and you don't convert, the worst thing that happens is you lose the game 37-14. If you do convert, the best thing that happens is maybe you build some sort of momentum, you get something going offensively, you show confidence in your team, they drive down the field and score, now it's 30-22 to 22 with 30 seconds to, to go in the game. 
But if you instead punt the ball the way the Jets did, the best case scenario at that time with two and a half minutes to go and giving the ball back to New England Patriots is that you lose the game 30-14. to 14. That's the best case scenario is that the Patriots don't score there. They're getting the ball back anyway. You hope they don't score. You stop them on defense. You get the ball back, and that's it. The game's over 30-14. to 14. Best case scenario by punting the ball, 30-14. to 14. Best case scenario by going forward on fourth down, you score. Worst case scenario by going forward on fourth down, you lose 37-14. to 14. So it's really only a one-time touchdown difference then what's the point in putting the ball at that point show some confidence in your offensive unit show some confidence in your play calling get a little bit creative figure something out and and go ahead and go for it on fourth down there's nothing to lose and that's why I was a little bit frustrated not that I thought there was any chance of them winning the game by going for it on fourth down but I knew there was no chance of them winning by punting the ball and the only thing that Adam Gase is telling his team is basically I just I don't want you guys to get embarrassed anymore so let's end the game here go in the locker room get on the bus and go home As bad as the offensive line play has been, as bad as the quarterback play has been, you're on your third-string quarterback, I get it, you can't expect it, but you'll go around the league and you see other teams, they're putting in their backups, they're putting in their third-stringers, and they're going out and scoring three, four touchdowns in a game. The Jets go to their backup, and they look like a college team trying to play at the professional level. And the lack of creativity on the offensive play calling is frustrating. The ineptitude on the offense is frustrating. And I know Adam Gase won't argue with that, but where's it going to get fixed? Because this right now does not look like a team that's just one player away from from becoming a winning football club. This does not look like a team that you plug Sam Darnold in and all of a sudden all the problems are fixed. There are some serious problems with this New York Jet organization. Offensively, we're atrocious, bad as you can get. We got a lot to fix. Now going into the bye, we're going to have to address all these issues that we're having right now. So that's all I got. What do you guys got? And those damning words, of course, right from the head coach himself. We'll dig a little bit deeper with all this, and I also want to go over one thing I've been incredibly right about and one thing I've been incredibly wrong about. But first, a commercial break. Okay, we're back after this, all right? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I didn't find that Dana Jacobs and Bill Belichick exchange on Sunday to be as egregious as everybody else seemed to. I'm not sure if if you heard it, but it was this. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, what was the final straw with Antonio Brown? Yeah, we're focused on the Jets today. Thank you, Coach. And the biggest thing, not being that he doesn't answer the question about Antonio Brown, but the biggest thing is the fact that after she says thanks at the end, he just kind of stares at her and doesn't say anything else. And obviously it's incredibly rude of the head coach of the New England Patriots to do stuff like that, but it's stuff that we're used to seeing from him. But people seem to be complaining, thinking that he was trying to intimidate Dana Jacobson and... While I agree it was a bad job out of Bill Belichick, and he certainly could have at least just muttered a thank you or something, and this all goes away, Dana Jacobson does not need 
everybody else in the media to, to fight this battle for her. Dana Jacobson is a well-established reporter, radio host, television host. I mean, she's been a very high-profile person in the media for a very long time. If she has an issue with it, she'll take it into her own hands. She doesn't need everybody to come to her support and, and rescue her from Bill Belichick. She'll handle this better than most of us will. But I hate when everybody just runs to somebody's defense and feels like they need to save them from somebody else where they really don't need saving at all, and they'll be able to handle it just fine on their own. But instead, the media just turns it into a much bigger deal than it ever had to be. But that's kind of what uh, what we're used to doing. So more so than not having an issue with what Bill Belichick did, because like I said, I did think it was rude. I did think it was wrong. I think he could handle the media better than he does. More so than that, though, I just think Dana Jacobson would be fine on handling the situation better than anybody else. She could handle the situation on her own. She doesn't need help from uh, from everyone else yelling and screaming that Bill Belichick should apologize to her. She'll take care of it. But on to the one thing that I was very right about it and the one thing I was very wrong about. First, what I was very wrong about, and that's Ryan Khalil, because Khalil has been terrible. And I thought when the Jets brought in this Pro Bowl All-Pro Center, I know he was coming out of retirement, but he was still he, he was 32, 33 years old. That's not that old for a center, not that old for an offensive lineman, and I thought they were getting a stud. I thought they were getting somebody that would come in here and solidify an offensive line that they've really built and morphed into a veteran offensive line group. And I thought it was exactly what Sam Darnold needed, and it showed that the team was headed into the right direction and trying to protect a quarterback and build an offensive line so they don't get up into a situation like the Indianapolis Colts were with Andrew Luck and having him hurt nonstop and the lacerated kidney and leading him to retire at such a young age. That's everybody's fear. That's what my fear is as a Jet fan right now is that Sam Darnold, not that he's not good enough to be a franchise quarterback, but that he's not going to be taken care of as well as he should be as a franchise quarterback. But the offensive line has been terrible. Khalil has been terrible. I would consider benching him coming out of the bye week. Maybe you give him one week with, with Darnold to, to see if they could de develop any sort of connection going forward. But it's not far from saying that Ryan Khalil should be benched. And this is a guy, like I said, that when they brought him in the offseason, I, I thought that it was a fantastic move and one that could be season-saving. I thought that he was going to be play that big of a role on the offensive line, and he's been anything but that. Now, the thing that I was right about is that this team does not deserve Le'Veon Bell. This team was not ready to bring in the offensive player that Le'Veon Bell is. They, they, they were not built around Sam Darnold enough yet to plug in that type of playmaker. And you watch Le'Veon Bell, and he's playing his heart out, which is great to see that he got his money, and he is caring so much out on the field, and he is becoming a, he's becoming a leader on this team, which you like that aspect of it. But right now, the Jets are so far from winning that he's going to be 28, 29 years old before... They have the ability to become a playoff team, so it's not worth having him here. And I'm a firm believer in a running back being a missing piece, being an add-on piece, not being a building block piece. But right now, Bell is here as a building block piece, and he's got no holes to run through in the offensive line. He's got no quarterback to get him the ball right now. The offensive line is so bad that Le'Veon Bell is not helping this offense. He's wasted on this team, and I wouldn't be opposed to looking to see if you could deal him at the trade deadline. If you're 0-6, 0-7, where are you going with Le'Veon Bella, an aging running back? As as talented as as he is, as as good as he's been in the locker room, to me, it just doesn't make sense to have him here if you're not going to be a playoff contending team. And the Jets are far from that right now. And it's because of the injuries, it's because of the players, it's because of the coaching, it's because of this offensive guru, the offensive innovator that the Jets brought in, and Adam Gase that is unable to get the Jets to score any points. 11 offensive points in 12 quarters is horrific.
in offensive that inept from an offensive head coach in this day and age of the NFL where everybody's able to throw the ball downfield and get points, it should be a fireable offense. The Jets' defense has scored more points than their offense this year. The special teams is not far behind. And you hope that Sam Darnold gets healthy coming out of the bye and could play in week five of this season. But it's impossible to assume that Sam Darnold is the missing piece, and that's all they need to turn this season around. Uh, Before we sign off, there's one major thing that every NFL fan should be thankful to Tom Brady for, and that came Thursday night during the Titans-Jaguars game when there's penalty flags being thrown all over the place, which was happening throughout the first two weeks of this season. The amount of penalties that were being called, the, the offensive holdings that were being called was nonstop. It was frustrating to watch. And I think it led to the lack of crispness that we saw during these NFL games the first couple of weeks that made it seem like we were still watching the preseason. But during that Thursday night game, as Troy Aikman and Joe Buck are just killing the officials for the amount of penalty flags that were thrown. And during the game, Tom Brady tweets, I'm turning off this game. I can't watch these ridiculous penalties anymore. Hashtag Tennessee versus Jacksonville. And there is no question that... What Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were saying and what Tom Brady tweeted during that national game Thursday night led to the fact that the referees called less penalties in week three on Sunday. And I think there was actually half the amount of offensive holding penalties called on Sunday that there were during uh, on average during week one and week two of this season. Half! And nobody enjoyed watching that, so we all have Tom Brady to thank. The Jets are off this weekend. We won't be. We'll drop a new episode at some point. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. And as always, be good.